You are listening to the Nixon Now podcast. I'm Allie Fitzgerald-Smith. This podcast is brought to you by the Richard Nixon Foundation. We're broadcasting from the Charlie Jones Studio at the Nixon Presidential Library in Yorba Linda, California. We've just concluded a six-part series which parallels an all-new special exhibit at the Nixon Library called The President's Club. In this special bonus episode, we are going to look into First Lady Pat Nixon's time in the White House and the friendship she built during her life in the arena. Joining us again on this podcast is the curator and author of the President's Club exhibit, Bob Bostock. Bob, for listeners who may not be familiar with her story, can you tell us a little about Pat Nixon? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, Pat Nixon is a fascinating and really wonderful woman. She was born uh, on the eve of St. Patrick's Day in 1912, uh, raised in very modest economic circumstances. She lost her mother when she was just 13, and her father died when she was just 18. So she had a lot of responsibility as a young woman, really as a teenager, caring for her brothers and uh, her dad until he passed away. Uh, She knew all about hard work, literally from the time she was born in a miner's shack in Ely, Nevada, and grew up in California on a small family farm. She put herself through college, the University of Southern California, graduating with the equivalent of a master's degree. She was a high school teacher when she met Richard Nixon, when they were both trying out for a play in the local theater. Uh, The Nixons were married in 1940. Not long after that, President Nixon, or then Mr. Nixon, uh, a young lawyer, went off to war, World War II. So they spent a good part of their first married years apart as he served in the South Pacific during the war. And then not long after he returned to the United States and after the conclusion of the war and the end of his service in the Navy, he embarked on a political career running for Congress in 1946. So from 1946 on, she was in the public eye as the wife of a politician making a very fast rise in national politics. In 1946, Mr. Nixon was elected to Congress. In 1950, he was elected to the Senate. In 1952, he was elected vice president of the United States. And in 1960, he ran for president against John Kennedy, lost that election, but came back eight years later to win election to the White House. So Pat Nixon was, in every sense of the word, a, a true partner of her husband's, Throughout his entire political career, the two of them were often talked about as being the Pat and Dick team because she worked probably as hard as he did uh, in the campaigns and as hard as uh, he did in her role as the wife of a member of Congress, member of the Senate, vice president, and as president of the United States. And as President Nixon would often say that he would say that Pat Nixon was the best campaigner in the Nixon family. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was widely admired. Uh, in the country, uh, voted among the most admired women in the world uh, more than, gosh, more than a dozen and a half times, including many years after she left the White House. She left an enduring impression on the American people and uh, someone who came to be not only respected and admired, but well-loved because of the roles that she played over the years as uh, Richard Nixon's wife and partner. So 
what was she known for as first lady? What, how did she leave this, this lasting impression on the American people? What did she do while she was in the White House? Yeah, I think that to really get a sense of the impression she left on people across the country, we'd have to look first at the vice presidential years. Uh, president Eisenhower gave Richard Nixon more responsibility as vice president than any previous vice president in the history of the country, particularly on diplomatic missions across the world, around the world. Uh, the Nixons together during the vice presidential years between 1953 and early 1961 traveled to more than 50 countries on diplomatic missions. Uh, she made a, a point when they would travel abroad, not of just going to teas and things with other, with the wives of other senior officials, but actually going out and meeting people. She would travel to and visit orphanages and schools and hospitals and go to uh, markets where people were shopping uh, in, in many of these countries and really get to know the people uh, in those countries. So by the time she came to the White House in January of 1969, she was already a well-known uh, person to most of the American people. And of course, as First Lady, when she had an even bigger platform, if you will, than she had as the wife of the Vice President, she became known not only for working incredibly hard as the First Lady. If you look at her schedule over the five and a half years they were in the White House, it's just jam-packed with all sorts of public events. Uh, she became known for promoting volunteerism. Uh, she was a huge proponent of people helping people. She was once asked, what's your project going to be as First Lady? And she said, people are my project. So she uh, was very active traveling around the country and bringing attention to community groups that were helping people within their community on a volunteer basis. She also did an amazing amount of work in the White House, uh, restoring the, uh, the state rooms on the state floor, bringing in more uh, antiques, objects of art, decorative arts to the White House permanent collection than any First Lady before or since. And just being, again, in 1968 and again in 1972, an active campaigning for her, for her husband, for President Nixon. She was someone who, um, in some ways, uh, almost seemed too good to be true. Uh, and certainly uh, those who were opposed to President Nixon tried to make that point. But in fact, she was everything she seemed to be and more. She had a wonderful sense of humor. She had a great circle of friends, and she really just loved people uh, and, and was honored, I think, in every way to be able to serve the country as, in her position as First Lady. Throughout this series, we've talked about friendships between presidents. Is there a similar bond between First Ladies? You know, as you look through the, the history of the presidency, I don't think you find as many of the sorts of relationships that existed between some presidents uh, among first ladies, because first ladies have a different role. Um, they tend not to uh, develop friendships with uh, previous or successor first ladies. There are a few exceptions to that, uh, but I don't think you find as many as you do among the presidents. Nevertheless, uh, Mrs. Nixon, when she came to the White House, already had a very strong relationship with Mamie Eisenhower, who, of course, was President Eisenhower's first lady. And she also knew uh, rather well Lady Bird Johnson and knew uh, not quite as well, but knew pretty well of uh, Jackie Kennedy. You have to remember during the uh, 1950s when uh, 
Mr. Nixon was elected to the Senate, she was active in the Senate Wives Club, both during his time in the Senate and as vice president. According to the Constitution, he serves as Senate president, president of the Senate. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Lyndon Johnson was in the Senate during that entire period from 1951 through 1961. And Jack Kennedy was in the Senate starting in early 1953. So they, those three women knew each other uh, quite well over that period of time. And of course, Mrs. Nixon and, and Mamie Eisenhower became very close during that period and subsequently. The only other uh, first lady still living when Mrs. Nixon was in the White House was Bess Truman, but uh, she and President Truman had retired to their home in Missouri, and uh, they were they were getting up there in years. And Mrs. Truman was not particularly active um, outside of uh, her own home and her own family during that period. But uh, Mrs. Nixon's three other predecessors in the White House, Mrs. Eisenhower, Mrs. Kennedy, and Mrs. Johnson, were all people well known to her. She to them. So tell us a little bit about those relationships. How did she interact with um, First Lady Johnson? Well, interestingly, as I said, they knew each other through the fact that both of their husbands served in the Senate for a long time. And of course, when uh, Mr. Nixon was elected president, one of the traditions is that the president and the First Lady come and pay a call on the president and First Lady who they will be succeeding. And Mrs. Johnson, of course, was very gracious during that uh, time uh, of that visit, uh, taking Mrs. Nixon through the White House, uh, not just the state rooms, but also the, the residence where the family lives, giving her some uh, advice based on her experience, because the, the Nixons and the Johnsons both had daughters of similar ages, of uh, kind of what it was like to be in the White House with uh, daughters who were in their late teens and the Johnson's play and in the Johnson's case and into the early twenties. Uh, so she shared some of that uh, advice with Mrs. Nixon and uh, they had a very, a very cordial visit. I think one of the things that kind of shows uh, the relationship is in August of 1969, uh, the president and Mrs. Nixon asked uh, president and Mrs. Johnson to join them at Redwood national park in California so that uh, President Nixon could dedicate a part of that park as the Lady Bird Johnson Grove. Um, that the Redwood National Park was created under the Johnson administration, and the President, Mrs. Nixon, thought it would be appropriate to name part of that park in Mrs. Johnson's honor, uh, particularly because Mrs. Johnson's project as First Lady was the beautification of America. She had spent a lot of time and effort uh, urging people to... Uh, clean up the highways and byways, you know, get rid of uh, all of the billboards that line highways and plant wildflowers. And, and she did a lot around uh, Washington, D.C. and other parts of the country to really beautify the, the nation. So naming this uh, grove in Redwood National Park in Mrs. Johnson honor, Mrs. Johnson's honor, I think, reflected the respect that both the president and Mrs. Nixon had for Lady Bird Johnson and her efforts at beautification, which really did make a difference. During her during Mrs. Johnson's time in the White House, and did she know Jackie Kennedy from the Senate Wives Club as well? Uh, she knew uh, Mrs. Kennedy uh, from that period as well. Um, in fact, the Kennedys uh, invited the Nixons to their wedding. Uh, the Nixons uh, were not able to go because they were traveling. I think out of the country at that time, but yes, they knew they knew well. Uh, they knew each other uh, well. 
Uh, Mrs. Kennedy, I don't think, was as active in the Senate Wives Club as uh, Mrs. Johnson would have been, particularly since Lyndon Johnson was Senate Majority Leader during much of that period in the 1950s. Uh, so Lady Bird would have played more of a leadership role as Mrs. Nixon did as well as, as uh, wife of the vice president. Of course, during the election of 1960, uh, when each of their husbands was were running for president, that wouldn't be an opportunity really to uh, build on a friendship. But they certainly knew each other and uh, I think had a mutual respect uh, for one another, if not entirely of uh, the sort of uh, friendship that we've talked about with some of the president's um, over the course of uh, the last six podcasts. And I understand the only time that Jackie Kennedy returned to the White House after President Kennedy's assassination was when Mrs. Nixon invited her to see the portrait unveiling? Yes, that's exactly right. Um, after President Kennedy's assassination, of course, uh, Mrs. Kennedy and uh, her children, Caroline and John, had to move out of the White House. President Johnson gave them several weeks to, to find a place to live and you know, certainly gave them as much time as they needed. But Mrs. Kennedy was obviously eager to uh, move on at that point. The White House, as one can only imagine, held all sorts of uh, memories, happy and not so happy. Uh, and she only returned to the White House once um, in all of the years. She lived until uh, 1994, and she only returned to the White House once in, in the 30-plus years after President Kennedy was assassinated, and that was in February of 1971. The official portraits of the president and Mrs. Kennedy were ready to be uh, officially installed in the White House, and it was tradition of sorts to have a ceremony, a public ceremony, where the, where the portraits were unveiled. But Mrs. Kennedy uh, wrote to Mrs. Nixon and said that the thought of going through a public ceremony for that was just more than, more than she could bear. She couldn't, couldn't see herself coming back for that sort of ceremony. So instead, Mrs. Nixon then offered, well, well, why don't you come back and show you the portraits and we can do it privately with no notice to the press or anybody else. So Mrs. Kennedy decided that she would take Mrs. Nixon up on that invitation and in February of 1971, Mrs. Kennedy, who by then was Mrs. Onassis, um, and, and Caroline and John came down to the White House on a, a jet that President Nixon had sent to New York to pick them up, uh, had dinner at the White House and, and saw the official portraits and uh, were given a tour by the president. Mrs. Kennedy and the children were given tours of the White House by uh, both the president after dinner and by Julie and Tricia. Uh, before dinner. So particularly so the children who were very young when they left the White House could see what they, um, the, the places where they had lived with their father when he was, when he was president. It was uh, an occasion where um, Mrs. Kennedy really wanted her privacy. Mrs. Nixon was very sensitive to that. As I said, there was no advance notice to anybody of the fact that they were coming and the entire uh, visit ended up uh, being a success in that uh, Mrs. Kennedy and, and her children uh, really found the visit very meaningful and the opportunity to see the portraits before they were officially installed in the White House. Um, after, after the visit, Mrs. Kennedy and the children both wrote letters to the Nixons thanking them for the visit. Uh, the letters from the two kids Again, they were like 10 and 15 or 13, you know, or what, what you would expect from uh, 
from young kids. Uh, John's letter was was very funny. He said at the end of his letter that when he got home, their dogs were uh, sniffing them and and uh, you know sniffing at his leg and wondering if maybe they were remembering being in the White House. And uh, Caroline's was uh, equally charming. But it was Mrs. Kennedy's note, I think, to the Nixons that was so particularly poignant. Um, she wrote, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just, the last letter of the letter uh, Mrs. Kennedy wrote to Mrs. Nixon is just something she wrote. The day I always dreaded turned out to be one of the most precious ones I spent with my children. And Mrs. Kennedy had said earlier in the letter that it really meant a lot to her to be able to show uh, her children you know, the rooms and the places where they had lived with their father um, during during his presidency. Uh, she never returned to the White House after that, uh, despite being invited, I'm sure, many times. Uh, that was the only time she set foot in the White House for the 30-plus years uh, after she left, and it turned out to be a very uh, meaningful, um, a meaningful evening for her. Um, when we did Mrs. Nixon's centennial exhibit back in 2012, Caroline Kennedy uh, was good enough to record uh, on video her own remembrances of that day. And I thought what she said at the end was really, really interesting. At the end of the video, she said that there's something special that binds all of the families who have lived in the White House that goes beyond politics and is really about patriotism and service to the country. And I think if we've seen through President's Club exhibit and and even this uh, story about Mrs. Kennedy coming back to the White House, uh, the truth in what Caroline said that despite political differences, that there really is something that that binds together people who have served in the White House as President and First Lady. Can you tell us a little bit about Pat Nixon's relationship with Mamie Eisenhower? Absolutely. I think the closest relationship uh, that Mrs. Nixon had with any of her predecessors as first lady was clearly her relationship with Mamie Eisenhower. Mrs. Eisenhower, obviously first lady, while um, Mrs. Nixon was serving as the wife of the vice president from 1953 to early 1961. And during that period, they really became very friendly and, uh, and, and you know, very close. Uh, Mrs. Nixon particularly uh, would often have to a fill-in for Mrs. Eisenhower at different events at the White House. Uh, if Mrs. Eisenhower was either out of town or, or not feeling up to it, the Eisenhowers at the time, uh, when, when President Eisenhower was inaugurated, he was the oldest president to become president at that time. So, you know, they were, they were up in years a little bit. So Mrs. Nixon would sometimes be called on to substitute for Mrs. Eisenhower. Uh, Mamie once said of, uh, of Pat Nixon, uh, she said this actually to Julie, who ended up being her granddaughter-in-law. Your mother was my helpmate. I never hesitated to ask her to substitute. She was always gracious, and she never put on any airs. And, um, you know, so the, the two uh, women grew very close during those vice presidential years. And then, of course, later in the 1960s, Julie Nixon President and Mrs. Nixon's daughter, and David Eisenhower, the Eisenhower's grandson, uh, started dating at Mamie's suggestion, actually. They were both Julie and David were in college in Massachusetts, and Mamie suggested, you know, you ought to call up Julie Nixon and, and you know, see if, see if uh, she'd want to go out on a date. So they started dating, and 
quickly fell in love and ended up getting married in December of 1968, shortly before Mr. Nixon became President Nixon in January of 1969. So maybe uh, literally became one of the family. And you saw that uh, during all of the years the Nixons were in the White House. Mrs. Eisenhower was frequently included uh, as a guest at state dinners. Uh, she often would spend uh, an evening or a few evenings at the White House as their guest, always staying in the Queen's room on the second floor of the White House, which is uh, decorated at that time predominantly in pink, which was Mamie Eisenhower's favorite color. In 1969, when President Nixon was inaugurated, uh, she did not go to the inauguration. She and President Eisenhower watched it from his hospital room at Walter Reed in Washington. But later she came down and, and spent part of the inaugural parade with the Nixons on the reviewing stand. Um, in 1970, um, as a relatively new widow, uh, Mrs. Eisenhower was invited to have Christmas dinner with the Nixons. At the White House, there's this fabulous picture of uh, the Nixons, uh, President and Mrs. Nixon, Julian David, Tricia, and Mamie Eisenhower in the Red Room of the White House having Christmas dinner. Great, great food. It just looks so Christmassy. It's great. Um, she also spent Thanksgiving in 1969 with the Nixons, uh, would visit them at Camp David. Of course, Camp David was named after her grandson, Julie's husband, David Eisenhower, uh, was there when they celebrated both Julian David's uh, graduation from school in 1970. And again, in 1973, there's this wonderful picture of uh, the Nixons and Mrs. Eisenhower standing in the driveway of the, of the north front of the, of the White House in front of the north portico as they all prepared to go down uh, to the Capitol for President Nixon's second inauguration. So Mamie Eisenhower not only was a, a, was a good friend of Mrs. Nixon's, she also literally became part of the Nixon family because of the fact that uh, David and, and Julie got married. So there was a, a great deal of affection uh, between Mrs. Nixon and Mrs. Eisenhower. Um, again, they were two people who really, you know, only, only people I think who served as first lady can fully appreciate and understand what, that's, uh, what that is like. And uh, they spent a lot of time together. Uh, Julie and her biography of her mother, Mrs. Nixon, uh, wrote it that my parents frequently invited the recently widowed Mamie to stay with them at the White House. No matter how busy my mother's schedule, when Mamie visited, she always sent time aside for what Mamie relished most, girl talk. My mother welcomed such moments with Mamie, especially the visits that coincided with the state dinner. And she went on to explain how after the dinner, they'd all go back upstairs and you know, sit around and talk about the dinner and kind of debrief. So that was a real friendship. Uh, the, the relationship between uh, Mamie Eisenhower and Pat Nixon was a, a real and genuine friendship that I think um, was something that Mrs. Nixon really treasured during her time in the White House because she was somebody who, Mamie Eisenhower was somebody who understood what it was like to be first lady because she had been first lady. and They could share perspectives that only someone who had uh, been first lady could uh, could share. Well, Bob, thank you for joining me again today on this special bonus episode about first ladies. And thank you for joining me throughout the President's Club series. I know you've worked hand in hand with the Nixon Library throughout the years. Are there any other projects coming up that you'd like to tell our listeners about? 
another exciting new permanent exhibit at the library is one that talks about President Nixon's advocacy for women. Under President Nixon, he there were more women serving in senior uh, positions in the executive branch than any president uh, prior to his administration. Uh, also, President Nixon was known as someone who really appreciated strong women because he was raised by a strong woman. His mother, Hannah Milhouse Nixon, uh, was married to a strong woman, Pat Nixon, and had two very strong daughters. So he was someone who appreciated the strength and wisdom of uh, strong women. And that's what was reflected in his uh, policies in the White House. It also, the new exhibit also talks about uh, Title IX, which President Nixon signed and which required that uh, colleges receiving federal funds provide equal opportunity for women in uh, athletics and other, other uh, aspects of collegiate life. And Title IX was really the beginning of um, young women being able to broaden considerably their participation in sports. And as we've seen through the years, that has made a huge difference. In, and the number of uh, young women who are able to participate in sports, both at the high school and the, and the collegiate level, and even down younger in Little League, um, has just exploded over the years because of Title IX. So the exhibit, uh, which I had the pleasure of writing this part of the exhibit, talks about some of those women who, um, who have really made a difference uh, because of Title IX, talks a little bit about Billie Jean King, about Mia Hamm, and about uh, one of the first girls to play Little League Baseball, who happened to be from Hoboken, New Jersey. So that'll be a fun exhibit for people to see when they visit the library as well. Well, thanks, Bob. And thank you for listening to the Nixon Now podcast. Our guest today was the curator and author of the President's Club special exhibit, Bob Bostock. On behalf of the Richard Nixon Foundation, I'm Allie Fitzgerald-Smith. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Nixon Foundation. Please subscribe to the Nixon Now podcast. Mm -hmm.